Hey, Dennis. Hello. Hey, how are you, Mike? All right. Did you this, just, can you hear me? You just I'm called me a, Mike again. <laughs> it's uh, between you and Mike and Michael and all the Michaels in my life. I'm going to get so confused. You got a bit of an echo, but I can hear you. Yeah, I'm in a stairwell. I'm trying to find a, a less echoey part of it. Okay. <laughs> are you at work? No, I'm actually uh, at Hank's Photographic. So wait, you're in Hank's Photographic? Where is that? It's up in Mount Vernon. And what are you doing up there? Uh, well, we have we do some work up here. I mean, they're a big um, like black and white printer. Hmm. They do really large format black and white printing. And this week, you know, there was the printing on Tuesday. Monday we were off because of President's Day, so we were printing on Tuesday. Wednesday, I spent most of the day at Christie's. There's that. I don't know if you saw the. Uh, there's a big auction at Christie's. Yes, everybody's been posting uh, photos from it. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Did you hear the the backstory about it? No. That it was uh, this collection of a guy who was recently imprisoned for mail fraud. He was, uh, it's not, you know, they weren't hiding the fact that it was his, but they kind of, you know, were not publicizing the story. So he was a sort of fake biodiesel tycoon. There's some kind of government program paying people for selling biodiesel. Uh, so he set up this factory in Texas, I think it was. And they made a couple of test batches of biodiesel, and then he was claiming he was selling millions of dollars worth of biodiesel and collecting all of these government credits for selling mm. fake biodiesel. Wow. Uh, and they eventually caught on to him, but not before he'd gotten you know, millions and millions of dollars out of the government uh, and had purchased, I think Christie said it was something like, they were only selling about 200 of the best of his collection, but he'd bought about 2,200 photographs. And I, I've seen some of the work online, and, and he had some of the most historic, uh, you know, some very important work. Yeah, no, some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, there's just two really nice Gustave Le Grey prints. One of them sold for almost a million dollars yesterday. Mm. So, yeah, it was an interesting collection. Uh, some nice stuff. Right. So um, how did Christie's get hold of it? The Secret Service contacted them, apparently. Oh, wow. That's what, what I'm told. <laughs> is, you know, it was all seized by the government, and so they had to to sell it off. That is wild. Um, so I think they they kind of drummed up, I think they must have circulated the sort of the news and the back channels because it seemed like there was a lot of interest. There were a lot of dealers there. Uh, I think oh, the, sure. Maybe buying back photographs that they sold him oh, at a discount. Uh, <laughs> but he's in jail now. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, uh, our mutual friend Imbal Abergil is having a, an exhibition coming up called Next of Kin, yeah, at the Camera Club of New York. That's yep. coming up soon, right? Baxter Street, Camera Club of New York. The The reception actually is uh, February 27th. So that'll be soon after this episode is released. And it's it's a documentary project on uh, how you know relatives of fallen soldiers and other military members and how they deal with grief and loss. And uh, from what I've read, there'll be a publication and, and some excerpts of some interviews at the show. Uh, and, of course, Imbal had done that work on monuments uh, as a way of uh, investigating how people deal with loss um, during conflict and things like that. So it seems like she's going from the, the macro to the micro uh, on this subject. Yeah, I'm interested to see the work. I mean, I've, it's a topic that I'm interested in as well. And I'm mm-hmm. curious to see, see the show. I'll definitely be there. Yeah. We had a really nice conversation with Polina Shupkina, and that's, of course, the episode coming up. Yeah. And Polina, uh, maybe Polina is the first person I've ever spoken to who had real intimate experience with going through uh, Perestroika and Glasnost and the, the, you know, the 
ultimate end of the Soviet Union. Um, and really some pretty wild stories with her, mm. her great-grandparents, her grandparents, her parents. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see how that kind of plays out in later generations. Well, uh, good luck up there in Mount Vernon. All right. All right, well, thanks for calling in. Thank you. No, thanks for calling. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Doggy. Uh, yeah, Susie, come hello. here. You'll say hi and then you'll leave. Come here, Susie. Come here. Come here. Come here. Aww, That's adorable. Susie. Hello. That's Dennis. Hi, nice to meet you. So we'll just give Dennis a second to get settled in here. Oh, look. You're so tall, you're out of the frame. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a bit of a, a height difference. I can, I can imagine the rest. Yes. <laughs> Good. This is a close it's better up. that way, probably. <laughs> All right. So I need to... Um, that's not one. That's not tea. <laughs> it's 4 p.m. here at my in my defense, and I'm Russian, so that's it's right. not vodka. It's wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just having a casual Saturday. We're uh, over Skype today with Polina Shopkina, and I'm gonna say that <laughs> I know a number <laughs> of different ways. <laughs> Could you you want to just say your whole name for us? Uh, Polina Shopkina. Oh, I wasn't that far off. No, you're not. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's become my thing now to mispronounce names on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so you're currently in Prague right now. Yes, Prague, Czech Republic. And you, and you were born in Russia? Uh, yes, I'm born in Russia in Sverdlovsk, which is now Katrinsburg. I think we we came to know each other um, through through some uh, through the show, but also. You, um, you're a former student of Yoav Haresh, who was on the show as well. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? It was in Hong Kong, in SCAD Hong Kong, uh, about well, a couple years ago. I did my, must, my Master's of Fine Arts there. Oh, what and was... uh, Yoav was one of my former professors. Yeah. How was that? What was that experience like? It was, I think it was one of the most interesting and uh, beneficial experiences in my life because this was my third degree. I previously did two BAs in uh, design. One was in industrial design in Russia and one was in fashion design in Paris. And um, it was awesome. And I'm very happy that I did it because it just happened so that all the people were so interesting and uh, very smart. And I had a great team of professors. So, but also SCAD is super transit, so it changes, and uh, Yoav left a couple years ago, right. and uh, now it's not like when I was there, so I don't know how it is right now, but so, I love it, yeah, I loved it. Do you pick your schools by what country you'd like to visit? <laughs> I wish I could do it that way, but not yet. <laughs> need to sell more prints to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, your website is um, Shubkina P., Right? Yes. Dot yes, com. Yes. Dot com. It's like a nickname. Yeah. Did you uh, consider your whole name for the domain name or was that taken? Actually, I used to have it, polinashupkina.com, for quite a while because this is a new domain, a new website. I did it this summer. But 
it's just not easy for people to type the whole thing sometimes and mm. specifically in China because I lived in Hong Kong for four years and I was actually planning on staying there and uh, having my own studio but I'm actually happy it didn't happen but <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was very hard for them to type my name. And so at some point I realized maybe I should, because I kind of like my surname. It's a funny Russian surname because what it means, it's uh, a person in a teeny tiny fur coat. <laughs> really? Yeah, because there is a surname Shupkin. Shup, uh, and Shupkin, well, because in Russian it's uh, one thing for man and Shupkina, it's always for women. And um, there is also a surname Shubin. So it's like a person... In a fur coat, but oh, my okay. person is like uh, my, my surname is like a person in a teeny tiny fur coat, which <laughs> is really funny and kind of original. So I like it, and I decided to just do my domain according to the surname thing. Oh, that's great! So, how did you get involved in photography? Uh, it was kind of random. So my entire life, I was drawing a lot, and um, I was. Uh, taking lots of professional classes of drawing, like academic drawing and painting since I'm a kid because my parents saw this passion from a very early age. I think that the first real uh, drawing class that I took, uh, it happened when I was around four years old. That's very early. And um, then it was kind of natural that I got into the whole uh, fascination about design and just drawing 3D objects. So that's how I got into my first degree and my second degree and then the whole big internship in Paris. And then when I realized that I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was the whole thing because uh, I was doing the six-month internship for Kenzo in accessory design department. And it was about to transit into my job. And that's when I started evaluating, do I want to do this for a living? Do I really want to stay here? And uh, as a side thing, I started to look for my uh, possible like continuation of my education for master's pro master degree programs. And uh, I also realized that since I was studying design for so long, maybe I should do master's into something more art-related because I felt that I was lacking um, a vocabulary of... Uh, like art terms. I wanted to be able to talk more about art. I wanted to know more about art. And I also kind of wanted to move to New York, <laughs> which is so random because I wanted to move to New York from Paris and I ended up moving to Hong Kong and spending there for years. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so I was looking at all these American schools and then I just got confused and there were so many photography programs, which I kind of liked and I started considering them because also back then, I think it was 2010, 2011, and I was uh, doing styling for a whole bunch of my friends who were doing photography professionally. And uh, they were not big deal photographers, but some of stuff got published in proper magazines like Numero, and uh, it was very exciting. This and was sometimes a kind of um, modeling like and product photography. styling. Yeah, it was like fashion mm -hmm. photography because I did my last degree and I was already working in fashion, so I was doing styling. And sometimes they would take pictures, and I mean, of course, I would ask for pictures for my portfolio as a stylist, and then I would look at stuff, and I would just think, 
damn, I can do so much better. This is <laughs> this just sucks. <laughs> and I didn't really know much about photography. I, I always was photographing. I'm sorry, is this answer too long? I no, don't know. no, this is why we do this. <laughs> Keep going. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how it should like answer question, answer question. But yeah. I'll cut so, you off if it gets too long. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, please do. Because I, I know I have this tendency of blah a lot. <laughs> So, yeah, and so I, I was kind of realizing that, wow, I can do so much better. And um, I, was also, I also was photographing my entire life because my dad gave me a camera super early. So I was just kind of like snapping my entire childhood just for fun. And back then it was film also. Do you remember what kind and, of camera uh, that was? It was some... It was actually, maybe it actually was a Canon, but it was just like this teeny tiny stuff that you just, just kind of like point and snap and then you mm -hmm. just develop and it was color film. Right. So 36 exposures and I was mainly taking pictures of my friends and family. I always was very interested in portraiture. I never really liked still lives or landscapes. I mean, I, I like to look at them. I wasn't interested in making them myself. So it was lots of portraits. And um, and then I was looking for these degrees. And then I also randomly found, then I was thinking, maybe I should do like a graphic design and blah, blah, blah. And so I somehow found SCAD. And I like their curriculum. Because I also, also another reason why I picked SCAD was because they were very nice and very fast at replying to my emails and calls. <laughs> That's nice. And I was so, because I already did like this degree in Russia and in Paris, and I was so tired from dealing with this bureaucracy. It was just so freaking annoying because, I mean, it's Russia and France, and they all are slow. And I always <laughs> had this image of U.S. being more like proper and more like business-oriented. Yeah, exactly. More like business oriented. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want to waste my time anymore. And uh, it just happened so that with other schools that were located in places like New York and uh, I was also looking at San Francisco stuff, but yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what schools, but they were just very slow and I didn't like it. And SCAD was just like, bam, bam, <laughs> bam, you know? So when you were and, uh, when you were looking at SCAD, you were thinking about Savannah in Georgia at the time. No, I wasn't because I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I refuse to drive, and I like their <laughs> curriculum. I liked everything. I I saw lots of pictures. I liked I liked the whole marketing thing of SCAD. I guess I just fall for that. But I didn't want to go to Atlanta or Savannah because I looked it up. And I actually never been in the U.S. before, which is crazy. I really should go sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been physically in the States. So, and I started Wait looking it up. Wait to see how the election goes and, you know, then you can decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> you and the rest yeah. of the world. <laughs> exactly. But, um... Yeah, sorry for joking about your politics, guys. That, hey, we do it all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to, or you'd yeah. show yourself. And and so and and then I saw that they have a they they just opened up a campus in Hong Kong, and I had a friend from Hong Kong, and uh, he's like Asian American, and he told me a lot about it, and uh, he said, well, it's really cool, and it might be cool for you to just go and do your master's there because why the hell you go and live in Hong Kong otherwise. And uh, so I considered that. And over my Easter holidays, 
like break, I went to Hong Kong and I went to see the campus and I talked to some professors. Back then, I, I got to meet uh, a vice president of uh, SCAD Hong Kong, Jean-Paul Rowan, and also Steve Eichmann. Back then, he was like Steve and Yoav were the people who actually founded the uh, photographic department of SCAD Hong right, Kong. Right, right. And uh, I really liked it. And I liked the fact that it was kind of smaller thing. It wasn't the huge university. And... Um, they they had awesome facilities. The campus was nice. Hong Kong was pretty cool. So I realized, why not? And that's how I so, got in there. So your degrees beforehand, uh, you went to the International Establishment of Higher Education and Fashion Design in Paris, and that was a, a, a bachelor's in fashion. And yes. Then, yes. And then you went to... Uh, but before that, you started out uh, in a Ural State Academy of Architecture and Arts in, I'm going to say it, <laughs> Yekaterinburg. Yekaterinburg. It's like Catherinsburg in English, yeah. It's after, yeah, it's after Catherine the first wife of uh, Peter the second. It's actually a really old city because it's just 15 years younger than Saint Petersburg. Wow, and then that was also, yeah. and that was also in design. But was that more of a general design? Degree? It was more of an industrial design. It was supposed to be more of an industrial design, but I didn't finish it there. I did three years from a four years program hmm. and I quit, I got all my papers and uh, also I'm very happy and lucky that I did it because this basically this half degree helped me to get immediately into my Master of Fine Arts in SCAD because right. that program, the hours of this program and the classes, it covered the BA of regular American universities. Hmm. And the degree that I did in Paris, it was something completely different. We just had a few classes, and it was all stylism and modelism-oriented. It wasn't like a real degree. Right. So. Okay, but um, let's just back up a little bit. Uh, so when you were growing up, you, your dad gave you a camera when you said you were very young. What did your mother and father do? So my mom is... Um, and she's always been like her first degree is in accounting or something, but she worked, she didn't really work as an accountant. And then she did her master's, and uh, for about 10 years, she's an art history professor at the same academy that I was going to. But also, in my defense, I didn't <laughs> get there because of her. Because uh, when I got there, because she started working there uh, already, like after. Well, pretty much after I was about to leave. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. How about your so, father? Yeah, she's also an adjunct professor. And she also teaches a course of history of fashion as well. Oh, okay. And Yeah. And my dad, uh, he actually has a PhD in nuclear physics. Wow. But he, when he, so he got his degree and then Soviet fell apart. Mm-hmm. The next day, and the university got shut down, and he was left with this nice degree and with no place to work at. Mm. And that's when all the trouble started. Once that's when he just had to start his own business, and all this really crazy years just began. Yeah, right. So right. I was going to bring that up. They they would have business. Yeah, they would have lived through the the breakup of the Soviet Union. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was. It, but yeah, I remember some parts very, very well because it was a hustle mm. for family and it was a hustle for lots of other families back then. Because yeah, it was pretty intense. I remember there were years when we had like officially nothing to eat. Mm. 
And uh, I think I was five or six, and uh, I wasn't going to school yet. And um, my dad, there was one, one day my mom would be at work, and my dad was sort of unemployed slash starting his business. And uh, we were hungry, and so we would find some uh, noodles, like spaghetti somewhere, and we would boil them. And then, like, these worms would get on the top of the water, and we would, like, Okay, just, just skim them off. take it off with a spoon and eat the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was. But then it was like ups and downs for a decade or so. So, yeah, I remember it very well. What What's the business that he started? Oh, back then, he, he went through all sort of things from selling fur, selling uh, and buying like fur from... Um, I don't know, like Latvia, and then he went into the uh, some chemistry stuff, but it didn't go well. And then some food for chickens, and then like actual chicken meat. And then finally, for about 12 or 13 years, he's doing the same consistent thing. He has a factory. Uh, they produce machinery for research of oil, for oil and water. Wow, so, so it's super consistent and it's more related to his previous degree. Right, I was, I was going to say it's not nuclear physics, but it's the sort of the energy business. Yeah, um, yeah. Engineering of it. Yeah, engineering and energy. So it yeah. makes a lot more sense for Is him. That when and I saw on your, your, I guess it was your blog, uh, that he brought back a Polaroid camera from one of his uh, oh, trips. Thanks. And you posted yeah. Uh, pictures yeah. that you guys just shot one roll of film, but you still have all those pictures. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very funny. I think it was 1993 because my dad shot it. I, I was four or so, so I didn't really touch the camera back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I do remember this camera really well. And I remember that we were all very excited about the Polaroid, how you just snap and then you get the picture right away. But then because somebody brought it from Japan to him and they brought just like one pack of the slides and then we shot it in less than a month, and this, we couldn't get more slides because it was just what? It was 1993, you couldn't get anything there. And so he managed to resell this camera for really, or maybe he exchanged it for like a TV or something with no film. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, so you, you get through SCAD. What, um, are, is there any work that's on your website that's from your time at SCAD? Uh, lots of work on my website. Like my insomnia project, mm -hmm. this was my thesis research. This was my thesis uh, project, my thesis series. Uh, color studies, uh, little documentary about Hong Kong, R Rush Hong Kong models and the Russian models in Hong Kong. Yeah, the Hong Kong models got a, a bit of press, didn't it? Oh, yeah, just recently I'm actually very happy that, yeah, it got picked up by Urbanatica Hong Kong. And I'm also very excited because through that I got to meet also online uh, Steve Bisson, the founder of Urbanatica. And uh, we had a very nice talk about a few weeks ago and uh, we settled on uh, me probably covering fine art photography in Czech Republic. So yeah, very excited. And to do what exactly? I'm uh, to cover, to write, uh, to interview people, fine art photography uh, related professionals oh, in nice. Czech Republic. Yeah, basically like curators, gallery owners, collectors, photographers themselves, and of course educators. That's great. 
Yeah, it sounds exciting. Is there a there's a big scene there? I mean, I I've actually oh, I've been trying to explore a little bit more sort of uh, European photography, yeah. and I know there's there's some influential writers. There's a big philosopher, Willem Flusser, I think was his name from the Czech Republic, and there's a bunch of other well-known photographers from the Czech Republic. But you don't hear they're like more an earlier generation. I don't hear much about more contemporary people. Yeah, that's what I'm curious to figure out because I also don't hear much about the contemporary people. But I know that there is a scene because I moved here only to Prague uh, at the end of November 2015. And uh, I didn't really have much time to explore the galleries and events because I was very busy with establishing my work here uh, because I need to eat (laughs) and I need to shoot (laughs) They need to shoot some commercial stuff for that. But yeah, I've seen a couple of galleries and I talked to some gallerists who uh, represent fine art photography mainly and not really other art. So very excited to talk to them. And I hope that through them I'll find more photographers. Because I do know that the scene is definitely here. And the reason why we can't really Google about them is because it's not really covered in English. They do write in Czech, and uh, it's within the Czech language internet. So if I'll just be able to meet these people and write articles and interviews in English, that would probably open up the scene to the major public. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I saw you on your um, either your your CV, your bio. You said you were you were uh, you speak Russian, you speak French, and you're learning Czech. Yeah, I'm learning Czech. I do understand lots of Czech because it's so close to Russian. About 30% of the words are the same, but at the same time, it's not. So, yeah, mm. I have to learn Czech. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's easier, but I'm lazy, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because you only know two so far. So, yeah. <laughs> well, like English, Russian, French. So, it's That's like three. technically three. 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 <laughs> Of course, I'm speaking yeah. you in English, and I just English. glossed right over that. <laughs> <English> <laughs> <is> <laughs> Take it for granted. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so, but you, you mentioned earlier that you do commercial work, and... Yeah. I've seen some of the commercial work, and, and there's clearly crossover influence between your fine artwork and your commercial work in terms of lighting and, and the sort of dramatic poses and, the, and the, even the, the styling of it, right? I think your styling has a lot of influence in your, in your fine artwork as well. Uh, I think so, because I don't like cheesy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, that's one of the reasons why I'm very happy that I didn't stay in Hong Kong, because... It was very hard to find clients who would appreciate my style. Mm. And um, somehow I just, I don't like to switch styles just because of clients. I mean, I can Mm. afford that right now, so it's okay. Clearly, if I won't, but actually, if I won't be able to afford that, I probably still wouldn't do that. I would just do something else because I can't. I mean, I don't like to lie to myself and I don't like to lie to my clients. That's why I don't really do wedding photography, even though I like to shoot portraits and I like people in motion and I like documentary style, but I just don't do wedding. Mm-hmm. I cannot. Did the it's too much. Did the HK model project come about as a kind of crossover from doing commercial work? Uh, actually, my Hong Kong ba- my Hong Kong commercial work started from this documentary project, like vice versa. Oh wow! Because this is how I met lots of uh, models, and they introduced me to some people who just some some of their clients, and then I just got picked up for commercial gigs. And this is how 
I actually did my internship in a Red Dog studio in Hong Kong, one of the biggest commercial studios of Hong Kong, owned by uh, Taiman. And I forgot his surname. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can yeah. send it to me later. You met those people. Yeah. That sort of it was through like the expat scene or the art scene or other or the other like uh, Russians. Expat art scene. Yes. Mm. Yes. Exactly. I mean, considering how much time I spend there, I know a bunch of locals and they know me. But also the expat scene, especially in photography, was very small. strong <laughs> and small. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah, it was very strong. Like the art scene is generally small because I mean, it, yeah, it's sure it's seven million people living there. But if you'll just start categorizing everybody, of course, the art scene is not huge. Hmm. So uh, the color studies, I wanted to talk about that work a, uh, a bit. You That was a bit of a collaboration, wasn't it? The uh, Yes, work? yes, yes. So I started the project with Mike Patterson, one of my friends, and we did our master's degree at the same time at SCAD. Then Mike left, and also we actually did two photographs. We did black and white, but not the white that is in the final series, but the white, it's also somewhere in like maybe folder selected work or something on my side. Mm -hmm. And so we did these two pictures, and uh, then it was his time in Hong Kong was over, so he moved to L.A., just, just to explain a little bit, when you say black and white, you're not talking about black and white photography. You're talking about black oh, as yeah. a, an yes. overall yes, theme, sorry. white as an overall theme. And yes. then if people look at, and we'll post uh, links to the site and everything, they'll see that each photograph is a color cast, right? The whole, the, everything is, is uh, uh, somehow cast in that light or in that color. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for explaining because <laughs> yeah, you just really explained the whole project. Uh, <laughs> No, there's but, more than that. Keep yeah, going. No, there's really no point <laughs> of looking at the pictures. You said everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Mike Patterson left, and then is it Skeen Milne or Milne? Yeah, it's Skeen Milne. Yeah, mm -hmm. Skeen Milne. He's not related to the writer. I actually was so excited when I first met him. I was, oh wow, was it your great grandpa or something who wrote Winnie the Pooh? And then I'm Milne, not Milne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe he's doing it. He's, he lives in Shanghai now, so I don't know. Maybe he uses it there. Oh, okay. But yeah, Skin Milne, a good friend of mine back then. So we met at SCAD. He was doing his BFA in photography, so full four years program. So he came to Hong Kong earlier, and he actually got to meet you a couple of years earlier than I did. But yeah, uh, so I only shot two uh, photographs and ended up using one uh, in the further color studies research that we did with Skin Milne. And originally we sort of were trying to do like diptychs, black and white, you know, complementary mm. colors, red and blue. But then we realized that we should just have a collection of colors. And then we were looking at the rainbow, but also we realized that brown is nice and then there is no black and white. So we just decided to pick whatever colors were available from the brand of the body paint that we were using for this project and not naming it because I don't want to over advertise, advertise them. <laughs> oh, the uh, the colors you mean? The body paints? Yeah, the body yes, paints. Yes, yes. Yeah. We don't need to pro promote anyone unless they want to, you know, sponsor the show. Exactly. <laughs> at, at the beginning, we were trying to get them to sponsor our color studies, but they didn't. So screw oh, them. <laughs> them. <laughs> But you you do think of these colors as ha as being being meaningful, 
right? You 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 yeah. write a little bit about there being messages and relationships through color. Yes, definitely. Uh, so the way we've been working on this project, I, I guess it's good that because it's been maybe two years since we finished working on it, and it took us an, an entire year to collect all ten. Because also we've been shooting it with four by five on film, and it was oh okay. It was yeah, and wow. and it kind of doesn't really matter that you can't see that it's been shot with film, and there is also minimum compo. There is no com- it's there are not composites. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be much more careful about the colors that you actually put in the photographs, rather than trying to make them all harmonize afterwards in post production. If you're shooting on film, it's much more challenging. Well, yeah, it was super challenging because we've been trying to make the sets real, like right here, right now in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So there is really minimum Photoshop. I mean, of course, we had to remove after scanning, we had to do some dust removal yeah. <laughs> and some initial color cor- correction, but there, there are not composites. So everything that you see in the images was there in the scene. Yeah, and they're, and they're fairly elaborate sets. I mean, it must have taken some time to build each of these. About two weeks for full production. I mean, of course, we would usually, I mean, two weeks together with buying and researching the stuff and also drawing the initial sketch and, I mean, probably longer with uh, looking up the models because we didn't pay to the models. There was just people who volunteered to participate and... uh, most of them are actually not models they're just musicians and videographers and some are photographers and actors and a really cool bunch of people and some are friends of ours some are not um yeah we would just sort of pay them with alcohol (laughs) (laughs) were they were they fellows some of them fellow students did you say or uh, some are fellow yeah. students, mm-hmm. yeah. I think in the white shot and maybe yellow shot, yeah. And and they're very, you know, they're they're tableau style, right? They're 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 set up with, you know, this kind of built-in drama, built-in moments between moments, things like that. Um, what were some of the references for those for those scenes? For every shot, we would basically what what we would do, we would sit down during the dinner, we would start writing down, like we would play this game. I would write down 10 words that I, so, that I have associations to that specific color. And Skin would also do the same. So then in 10 minutes, we would compare our lists and we would circle the ones that we had similar. And then we would, of course, discuss the ones that we had different and we would both evaluate why and why you have this association, where it's coming from. And then, based on this initial list, we would sort of uh, start creating a story. Like, what happened in this show? In this shot, is it a dinner? Is it uh, a party? Is it one person? Is it two people? And stuff like that. Just talking about all these details. Just bringing in the references. Like, for example, of course, there is a whole bunch of references from cinema and uh, historical painting. What distinguishes them for me is they seem. They seem more uh, psychological than, like, you know, I've seen sort of like color-themed sort of fashion photography, and it tends to be very much sort of just about the colors, and there's not really any thought about the staging and the person and the psychology of it. So I'm wondering, it seems also from your, uh, I guess it was your Twitter feed or something, you have some posts about psychology. It seems like you have some interest in psychology, and there were some things about neuroscience. Is that related to this work somehow, or, or how did you get into 
that part of yeah. like, thinking about those things? Yeah, it definitely is related. And uh, I guess it helped with, I mean, my fascination in psychology uh, helped in the initial research. And uh, I just always been very fascinated with this field. And uh, I guess the reason why I didn't pursue a career in I don't know, psychology or medicine, actually, I wanted to be a surgeon all the way uh, from like four to 11. But then when I was 11, the chemistry class started at school. And that's where when my uh, desire to become a surgeon just basically vanished because I suck at chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that, okay, maybe I should stick with drawing. <laughs> Because I really wanted to be more of a scientist or something like my dad and like my grandpa, but it didn't work out. Oh, wow. That happened to me in college when I walked into our biology lab class and the shelves of the class were lined with fetal pigs that we were going to dissect. (laughs) And I looked around and I walked out like, not for me, (laughs) not doing it. I like to cook and I like to cut things, so (laughs) it's not a problem. I mean... You can look at the black photograph from the color studies and there is the whole bunch of uh, pig lungs and eels and frogs and everything, which is not a problem for me. I mean, I have no problem touching it and cutting stuff. <laughs> um, no point in talking about the white shot because I think it's pretty obvious, except for the Christ is an uh, Asian girl. You know? yeah. Well, actually, because um, because this is a uh, an audio podcast, the white one, which... It is is clearly the most obvious scene of right of uh, uh, Christ uh, cru- the crucifixion yeah the Pietà right and uh, you, but you mentioned that there are little painted white Batmans all around uh, what you called I think you called it the nest yeah it's the nest so Skin and I <laughs> built a nest so there was a huge mountain behind our uh, our campus in Hong Kong and it's like a jungle mountain so there was a whole bunch of these trees and lions and uh, I don't know how to say it but yeah these trees and bushes and everything so he went there he chopped a bunch of branches he brought it to my apartment and uh, we spray painted it and uh, because it's a Hong Kong, and I wasn't living in the dorms, I was renting an apartment by myself, so it was closer to school. It was easy to cab around with all this stuff that we would buy at the market of Shamshipo, which has an enormous amount of all this really weird and random plastic stuff, right? And also pretty cheap. And yeah, I think I should have mentioned that. So we we would come up with our associations. And then, of course, the shot and the props would always rely on whatever props we will find at the market. Because it was also, that's why I like to call it an artistic research, because we were doing the research, because we were really not trying to find things in this initial color, not to spray paint them to that. But unfortunately, we had to spray paint Batmans. And Skin and I, we both are atheists, and uh, we still had this association with purity and religion and Catholicism and Christianity when we were both coming up with ideas for the white shot. And then we started brainstorming. So who is an icon and uh, like kind of pop culture icon for us? Who is the hero? So because of this association of Batman being our favorite hero, we decided to put a bunch of Batmans there. And uh, 
And also uh, the backdrop, there is a printed out very pixelated poster. And it's impossible to tell, but it's a poster of Britney Spears in the 90s. <laughs> so and I know another icon. Right. Yeah, another icon. Because and, and it doesn't matter that it's impossible, almost impossible to read that this is her, but we know it means something for us. <laughs> <laughs> but then in some ways she becomes more of a a generic pop star icon because you pixelated the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we had to blur her. Right. So you're making connections between uh, modern icons, uh, mythological or spiritual icons uh, as well. Yes, 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 definitely. Oh, and like the way those things are abused in popular culture or, or used, reused. Yeah, like, for example, in the pink shot, there in the pink uh, picture, there is Barbie doll mm. sitting on this TV and uh, I also do like the pink shot a lot because uh, it talks a lot about just all this feminism and the house and because there are flowers growing from the toilet. And uh, we were sort of brainstorming and talking about what does it mean to be a female in contemporary society. And uh, so, but but those are clear color connections you're making, right? So so yes, pink, pink feminism, right? Color associated with femininity. And then white, purity, virgin, all those, you know, things yes, associated yes, with, yes, Christ yes. with Christianity, right? So, I mean, you, yes. they, they are very meaningful, the colors that you chose to the and imagery. And they're also pretty stereotypical if you think about it. Sure. All right. Well, yeah. why don't we move? Let's move on to some of the other some of the other well, work. What, can I oh, ask? Go ahead, Dennis. No, yeah. as long as well, it's not yeah. exactly related, but on the, since you mentioned the, you know, this issue with the spirituality and purity, I was just wondering, like you said, you you and your collaborator were both athe atheists. Uh, is that like, what kind of background were you raised in? Were your parents uh, oh, atheists yeah. or, you know, did, were you raised in some sort of spiritual tradition? Yeah. It's actually a pretty funny story. I like to talk about it. Thank you for your question. <laughs> So uh, my entire family is pretty much family of atheists because uh, from both sides, from my mom's and my dad's side, um, well, actually from my mom's side, my grandparents were atheists and also great-grandparents used to be, used to work for uh, communist parties. So they were in this hierarchy of communism. They were somewhere high and uh, they always could get what they wanted so they were they had access to travel and so they were kind of like communists but also I met them because my great-grandpa he passed when I was eight so I remember him really well and my great-grandma she passed when I was five so I remember her somehow somewhat well and I have all the stories from my grandparents they didn't really care about communism at all, but they were just doing it because it was giving them an opportunity for better living. So they were just being smart about it. And But they were atheists because it was super, super strict back then. And if you didn't want to get, if you didn't want to disappear, if you didn't want to go to camp or whatever, you had to be an atheist. So When you say camp, you mean like, like a Siberian like, work like, camp, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, like a work camp during Stalin. Yes, exactly. And uh, from my dad's side, because uh, my dad, because his mom was Jewish, and uh, her parents, like her, both of her parents uh, were Jewish, and actually her dad, so my great-grandfather, he was, he, he went through all uh, World War II. He came back with a medal, 
he came back as a hero and the next day as he came back from the from war in uh, 1995 uh, he was taken to the work camp and he had because he was a Jew and uh, he spent three years there and he survived and then he got out and so somehow because of that my dad's side is also like an atheist minded people and so that's how i grew up but in fact i'm baptized oh wow. I, yeah and it's also super random because people like in, to hedge um, their bets <laughs> yes because when the soviet fell apart and in 1993 uh the government didn't know what to do they didn't know how to how to build this concept of what does it mean to be russian because yeah like one day we, we all used to be soviet people and there was no church and whatsoever and the next day la voila we are russians now so what do we do as russians does it mean that we have to go back to whatever used to be good and cool before soviet union foundation and so they introduced like yeltsin government they introduced um the concept of Russian Orthodox Church coming back and being right. super important. And it was this really weird time for my family when we didn't really have money. They were confused. I was a kid. My dad just lost his job. They had a lot to figure out. And everybody, all his friends, they were getting baptized. It was the thing to do. It was it was like happening. It was something to do over weekend, you know. And so that's how I got baptized. And I remember the day. It was one of the scariest day in my life because I had to stand. I was four, and I had to stand naked in front of all these people mm. and them pouring water all over me. It was freaking scary. What, and what kind of preparation yeah. was there for that? There was no preparation. They were just like my mom was like, "Okay, so we're gonna baptize you this Friday," and she never. <laughs> Wow. even told me what does it mean right. and now when i drink with my parents and when i see them and I, i'm like what was that all about and they would be just like well you know we were young and stupid and we were all confused <laughs> did, did they also bap get baptized yeah they did but it was like it had to be done before my my day and right. it had to be done separately and um i also had to have a godmother that's not that's not related to me by blood and i remember that the whole thing because it lasted it was in one of these very old cathedrals that for some reason wasn't destroyed during the revolution and um There was about 100 people there, all scary, all these priests with these long beards. And I actually never really seen a man with a beard before because nobody would wear a beard. And like, I mean, very long beards, not cool, sexy beards like you guys have, but long, scary <laughs> Russian Orthodox shit. And uh, so I was so scared. And I remember I was four and I really wanted to pee. I mean, I'm sorry that I'm talking about it, but that's all <laughs> I remember. And it lasted for two and a half hours and we've been standing. And then it finally was my turn. So my godmother she just like followed me and I was standing in front of this guy and he was doing all this stuff and singing and all, very creepy. And then he started pouring cold water all and over me when and you had I to be squeezed, yes. no i i didn't i i'm so proud of myself i didn't i'm i was strong <laughs> a little bit of a great story as an atheist like i, I, I peed in the baptism like that exactly and so but my godmother because we're still in touch is a good friend of my mom 
And she always tells me, look, you squeezed my freaking finger so strong. I almost screamed. It was so painful. I didn't know that a teeny tiny kid like you could give me so much pain in a second. But yeah, and then I just stormed out from this church. And I was like, mom, I need to pee, I need to pee. And, I, and there was no public toilet in the stupid right. church. Can you imagine that? It just doesn't make any sense. What, did I, what an unfortunate kind of re- <laughs> revival of Christianity in Russia, I right? I mean, it's awful. It's yes. awful. I'm a very bad representative of my country. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're a bad representative. I think you're you're part of, you know, the whole process of of the of how it all changed, right? I guess so. And I like to talk about it to my friends, but I guess they had less scary experiences and I did but mm. yeah and then we never we actually never came back to church so we did it we made a day out of it uh, I wore this cross thing for a little bit but then I kind of just stopped because it just means really nothing I like to go when I lived in Paris I, I enjoy going to Catholic cathedrals like Notre Dame and all the old stuff because I lived in Marais and it was super close so I would just go and sit there and listen to the org and enjoy all the vitrage and everything because it's beautiful, you know, and it has nothing to do with spirituality. I just really like the Gothic architecture. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, and skin, uh, I mean, I'm not, probably we've been talking about all the religion thing for very long, but yeah, it's kind of funny that we have this white shot and it's related to this. But this was our association, so we decided to go with it because it was our association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's still maybe maybe you wouldn't say that it's that you don't have a spirituality or it's not about a spiritual experience, but it's maybe not about a religious experience. It's maybe, sort of like yeah, a different way right, of yeah. looking for spirituality in your life, or or like how those because I think it's a fundamental human desire is. And in, in artwork, too, like there's some seeking for some kind of spiritual experience um, as apart from religion. Yeah, and you're like, right. You Maybe, yeah, I didn't phrase it right. You're right. Not religious experience, but the spiritual. But yeah, understanding of art and this experience of art and different levels of it. So um, let's talk a little bit about the, the Vietnam 1973, because clearly they're not your photos. What What is uh, <laughs> so we're looking at we're looking at photographs. Were they photos taken by GIs or uh, tell what us do, about this what project? Do you, what do you mean? It's not my. It's clearly not my photos. Maybe I just have a very good plastic surgeon, <laughs> very good eye cream. That's right. But yeah, they're not my photos. They're they're pictures taken by my grandpa, my oh, father's okay. father. So so these photographs of of Vietnam are from your grandfather on your father's side. Uh, in what capacity was he there? He was there as a scientist because he was already like older. He was too old to be just uh, a guy like a militant. But he he also he was a military scientist. And uh, actually, also funny story. My dad was born in Chernobyl, but it was long. It was early before the tragedy, and because and because my grandpa was a militarian scientist, they moved him around a lot. So they moved him somewhere else in Ukraine, and uh, and then my my dad went to study in Russia. That's where he met my mom. But and then he, my dad moved grandpa and grandma to Russia, and then also all the uh, unfortunate stuff happened in uh, with the nuclear explosion. But yeah, my my grandpa also was a nuclear physicist, and uh, 
he was actually one of the people who participated in the design of the um, sarcophagus uh, of Chernobyl. Oh, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, just one of the people he worked on this project. It was kind of his gig. He didn't design it himself, but he was a part of the team. Unfortunately, my grandpa passed when I was six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he died of cancer, and also his cancer developed after he had to go to Chernobyl. Right. But he didn't. He didn't participate. He he went uh, maybe fourteen, fifteen years after, and of course they were wearing all this stuff to cover you up from the exposure to um, what's the word? Radiation. Sorry, sorry. Excuse me. The yeah, radiation. exactly. Radiation, right? Pardon me, my English. But um, yeah. So he developed cancer after that. But yeah, and before that, of course, he was in uh, Vietnam. I'm not exactly sure what he was doing because I just I I spent my entire summer scanning his negatives <laughs> because uh, when my grandma passed, she she passed maybe three years ago, and um, we we went through her stuff in her apartment and we found about hundred black and white negatives in a very poor condition, and we had no idea she had those. And uh, I, I just bought myself, because uh, that's when I moved to, from Hong Kong to Russia for a couple of months before I moved here. And uh, my entire summer, I was just scanning these negatives, and I uh, was very excited to find out what he got to shoot in Vietnam. But I don't know the whole story, why and how was he was there. But I also decided that, so if because he, he was there in 1973, so maybe I should go to Vietnam in 1923. Because it was somewhere around Hanoi, so maybe I should just photograph and then maybe I should do something Do you mean it. in 2023 you should go to Vietnam and oh, revisit? Oh, damn. Yes, yes, yes. Gosh, I always do that. Well, do all that. these nuclear physicists in your family, maybe they invented time travel. <laughs> <laughs> but these are, these are, I mean, some very beautiful vintage photographs from that era, from that time. There are uh, official events going on, and he's he's visiting places. Yeah, and there's um, these pictures pictures of wreckage. I wonder. Right. I guess the probably the Russian archives are not exactly easily accessible if you wanted to look up what was going on there. <laughs> yeah. The right. And 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 then there's there's group photos. And actually, my grandpa my grandpa also is in a bunch of shots in there. The guy with the cigarette on like the, there is a portrait of him, and also a portrait of him with all these Vietnamese kids in the. Birat, the French Birat. Right. It was, yeah. It's okay, my grandpa. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So so it, it seems like he was there in some official capacity. What what um what inspired you to scan these and post these? Well, when we recovered these pictures, because she was storing them in the box and the box was very close to the heater. His his <laughs> wife? Your grandmother? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. grandma, yes. And um and I just saw the negatives and I realized that I just have to see what's there because me and my dad, we got, we got very excited because, well, he lost his dad pretty early in his life. I mean, he was 30-something, so it is. I guess it is pretty early. And uh, he always, he, he has all these memories. And it was also very important for my dad to see these photographs because he uh, has some of the prints but of course, it used to be so expensive to print, and uh, my grandpa didn't do it. I think maybe he developed it themselves, he, themselves. Yeah, he developed it them, himself, but he didn't print it. So they only printed some pretty stuff with uh, monkeys and like maybe a few elephant posy pictures, hmm. but not the actual stuff that was there. 
so it was very it was a very personal experience and I also because uh we found them and I was still living in Hong Kong and then I talked to a couple of people in Hong Kong about it and they were like oh you should just hire somebody to scan it for you you can send it to India they'll scan it for you for like what 10 bucks for 100 rolls and everything and I was like look these are so important to me because I I do remember him pretty well and uh, it's just it was very important to do it myself it was a very important personal experience I just didn't want anyone else to touch them and I know maybe it doesn't matter, it means nothing to the project, but it meant something to me. It was very nice to spend all this time scanning and looking at them. So as a way of of getting to know him, in a sense. Exactly, exactly, because I was a kid when he passed, so I couldn't ask him all these questions that I probably would ask him now. So um, what are you working on these days? What's next? Actually, just recently, me and my friend Sandra Dance, also a photographer from Philippines, uh, we went to grad school together at SCAD. She's back in Manila now, and she's also going through the similar process as I do. She's trying to establish her uh, commercial clientele in Manila and still working on some fine art stuff. So we're going to do a little fun project uh, during the February because this February is, uh, because it's 2016, so I don't know how you call it in English, but there is 29 days in February this year, and it happens every four years. We call it a, a leap year. A leap year, exactly. Yes. Thank <laughs> How do you refer to it? I just, I just know it in Russian. Mm-hmm. I don't know this word in other languages. So we're just going to do some iPhone photography, and we, we would just sort of she would take a picture at some moment and she immediately whatsapps this to me and doesn't matter what time is here because it's seven hours difference so even if it's in the middle of the night i'll have to take a shot of what i see in front of myself and vice versa so we'll be playing this game the entire month and then we'll see what we got and uh just maybe make a separate website out of it where both of the lines are just like here's your her line your timeline and my timeline mm. just like together and you scroll and then we'll see what happens but also I started um, a sort of long-term photographic project for myself I'm taking environmental portraits of Russian immigrants and uh, I only have two so far <laughs> <laughs> and this is in Prague uh, this is in Prague but the is it just wherever you project, happen to find them Yes, that's the beauty because, and I don't know why I didn't start it earlier because I I know so many of them. <laughs> well, you did kind of start it, you know, with the Hong Kong model project. I mean, the, I thought a lot of those were sort of Russian immigrants. Well, they're not really immigrants, but they're Russian In sort of expats way. or semi-immigrants. Yeah. They're there Russian. temporarily, right? Yeah. But here now I'm really curious about Russian immigrants because I think the reason why I'm in Prague, I'm really working on uh, getting a second uh, passport because uh, for seven to eight years that I haven't been living in Russia I didn't really care about it but I think that right now it's a good time and I should just get it done because you know Do you the mean world a is... dual citizenship or yeah I, w- I, w- I want a European citizenship because mm-hmm. the world is getting crazier and crazier it's just good to have a double citizenship oh, yes. I should have done it earlier but I just been stu- I've, mm. I've been stupid I next guess next week I will be I was Italian say, citizen next yes. Friday yeah, really? Dennis has been going for Italian citizenship. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Are you married? <laughs> I am. <yes. laughs> 
sorry. I just always have to make this. Joke. That's how I got <laughs> it. Unfortunately, that's right. <laughs> that's how he got it. Right. <laughs> it works. Okay. I wanna I wanna ask bef- uh, before I forget. You're you did a um you curated a show in collaboration with the Hong Kong Society for the Blind. It's yes. called Closed Eyes Open. Yes, and also um, my. Uh, my very good friend Inga Nelly, a German artist, she was helping me out with this. And uh, I created the show, but she sort of put together the project uh, in terms of this photographers from SCAD uh, working, volunteering and working with the blind people and uh, working with the Society for the Blind. Because what I, what I did, I really created the show. I wasn't participating in the shooting process of the project. I just wrote some stuff and I looked at the photographs and uh, I put it all together and I was in charge of printing and framing and uh, the actual exhibition. Mm. But also we, uh, because the Hong Kong Society for the Blind got very happy about the outcome of the project, so they initiated uh, to to print, to put together, putting together a book and uh, I think I'm just gonna get a book sometime soon because it's been printed and published in hong kong what was the, yeah. the premise of the show what would how were the artists selected what kind of work was selected basically the, the how it started so inga nelly she was back then i think it was in 2014 the end of 2014 beginning 2015 so she was doing her master's degree in painting at scad and also scad campus is uh, located very close to the hong kong society of blind in shamshipo slash lychikok area so we wrote the descriptions we wrote because because all the pictures were taken by uh, the blind people with help of uh, photography students from SCAD. And um, then basically whoever, so every, there was about five photographers from SCAD and uh, each one of them was uh, working with one blind person and uh, they would just take a day and walk around with them and just talk to them and see how is their regular day? What do they do? What area? And it happened so that they, most of them really lived around the Shamshipo area where our campus was. So it was kind of related to the fact that SCAD been there for four years and we didn't really know much about what else is going on locally in this area. And, um, and basically what was cool about this project that, for example, they would point at something they hear and snap it. So then we would actually look at the picture and we and if the picture was uh, sort of good by our standard or somehow interested by the person who has vision, right? And uh, we would write creative descriptions of this particular image, like little essay about the colors, about the composition, about what it is in this picture, what is the subject. Also, maybe a little like interview line from the person who shot it, and uh, and then everything was translated in the in Braille language. So at the actual show, they they all showed up and they could read it like with their fingers. And uh, I think on my Instagram, I have a couple of images of uh, one of the photographers who took an image. He's like reading with his fingers the description of his picture and they were so happy and that was really awesome uh, unfortunately the show didn't last too long it was like a one-week show or so 
because it's pretty hard to find a space in Hong Kong and everything is so expensive in there. And it's also one, one thing with color status. We've been taking all these photographs in our apartments, in my apartment, apartments, because I think I moved three apartments during the, the course of the, pro maybe two apartments during the course of the project. We learned a lot with this project because we would just build a set in my living room or in my bathroom. <laughs> and and we, we have a four by five and we have my brown color. We have the battery and we have water going on and we have this sticky <laughs> person in the uh, body paint hanging around naked. And it just, it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. And also, I, I wanted to mention the uh, red picture. I mean, I'm sorry I'm coming back. No, I actually was going to ask you about the red picture, which uh, that this is a picture yeah. of cannibalism, right? It is. <laughs> yes. It and, is. and it made me think <laughs> of a, a very old art movie. Well, not very old, but a, a, old, huh? a somewhat old art movie now. The, the Cook, the Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, Peter Greenaway film. Were you familiar? Are you familiar with that? I'm not, but I have to watch it now. Yeah, there's this very famous scene of cannibalism at the end. Um, how does it go? The the abusive husband kills the wife's lover, and then she has the lover cooked and fed to her husband with this very famous line that says, "Try the cock. At least you know where it's been." <laughs> <laughs> wow! I, I I'll have to I'll have to research it and watch it tonight. Right. <laughs> I've been I've been feeling like watching something, but yeah, now I know exactly what it's right. gonna be. So so what were you gonna say about the the red photo? Ah, uh, this is a Thanksgiving feast. <laughs> 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 yeah, and what I was about to say is that because we were shooting film, we had to redo this three times mm. because it was it was the one because usually we would manage to get everything with just one because we would have five exposures and uh, with just one day of work, we usually would because we would also test the lights and test everything digitally and then when we feel we're ready, we would finally do it with film and the day is over but with red it just it took three separate uh three separate sets and i i moved apartments like first two were done and, and there were also different people in first two and then we somehow realized that we don't like these people anymore we want different people <laughs> it was yeah, it was very hard. And also the problem was that maybe we would be able to do to work on this project faster or better, but because both of us were still involved in to uh, our programs at the university and I was in the middle of my thesis. I, I mean, I was at the beginning and the end of my thesis while we were shooting this and Skin was finishing his BFA. He had to do lots of other stuff, lots of other disciplines. And it was just very overwhelming and insane time-wise. And I'm still also very proud that we managed to go through it because it just it just shows that if you want something, you just really have to push yourself to do that because all, all the facilities were there. The reason why we were shooting 4 by 5 is mainly because that we just simply had it in SCAD. Because I don't own 4x5, I should, I mean, I do shoot film, I, I shoot like 35mm for myself, but also for work I shoot digitally. Because I can't, I can't afford screwing up, I mean, I shoot commercial stuff as well. And uh, Skin doesn't own 4x5, 
it's very expensive and maybe there is no need. I mean, I know Yoav sh shoots 4x5 all the time, <laughs> but it's Yoav. He has very different approach and he just does different photography. Oh, also very funny thing about Yoav. I, I hope you'll listen <laughs> to it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically when Mike Patterson and I shot uh, the black image and the white image and there was quite a break between these two pictures and the rest of the series, maybe a half year break. And so we did the black image first and we shot it uh, over the summer while SCAD was basically empty. There was no classes, Yoff was somewhere traveling in Asia and Steve Eichmann was back in, in, I don't know, Atlanta or somewhere else in the US. But we still had access to school because it was at the very beginning so we could do whatever we felt like. And we could check out the equipment, we could hang out in the building. So we went there and uh, we checked out 4x5. We felt like doing something fun. And also Mike Patterson wanted to do a make a collaboration with me because of my styling experience and because of the fact that I am capable of building a set from scratch because I know a lot about spray paint and materials and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we wanted to create an image uh, about this crazy scientist slash Hannibal Lecter slash skinny Russian model slash Frankenstein something <laughs> because we did have access to all this bloody stuff at the Shamshipo wet market and lots of black spray paint and body paint. So we did it. We actually did, got the shot in uh, Yoav's dark room. It's good. <laughs> and uh, these are his, um, his gloves that he normally would work. I mean, he made the mistake of leaving them <laughs> somewhere. In, and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't. Uh, he didn't know. Any, of course he didn't know. Oh. <laughs> he, would, he would kill us if he would know. And so, and the, so we got the shot, we developed, we were very happy. And then we actually showed this to him when he was back at the beginning of next quarter. And because uh, we did two beautiful test prints about, I think it was like 40 inches long side and mm. we put it on the wall at, in our lab. Mm. And so everybody could see it and it was like the black and the white image were on the wall. And then Yoz comes there, he kind of like maybe asked who did this and uh, Mike Patterson was there and he was like, oh, yeah, that's my work. And I was also like entering the room and I, I do remember distinctively Yoav asking Mike, because he didn't know that I was involved. And he was like, why would you do, why would you do this? This is not photography. <laughs> 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 and then we were going on and off and on and off. It's, is this photography? Is this not? And also when I was doing this project with Skin, and we, every week or so we would show a new image in his critique classes. And at the same time, I was working on my insomnia project and Skin was working on his other documentary project. And so I'm very kind of proud of us making so much work during this very limited time frame. Hmm. Did, did you all have come around on this work then after thinking it wasn't photography? <laughs> I, I know that he likes the pink, the pink thought. <laughs> Probably the flowers coming out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, right. he, li he likes that one. And we had, we had lots of great conversations as we were showing this work because it's like a psychotherapy class in a way. It's like a group therapy because we have about 
seven to ten students from super various backgrounds mm. and uh, also professor and we would talk about all this work it was much fun yeah. i liked it yeah well, no, i with... think that's a really good observation i mean i, I was just writing a recommendation for uh for someone who's applying for a, a teaching job mm-hmm. and i think that's a big i was mentioning it in the letter of recommendation i think that's a big part of sort of i don't know what you call it like classroom management and teaching photography is like dealing with people's issues because if you're really doing a good job teaching they're you know making themselves vulnerable and bringing their issues to the work that's what you're supposed to do to some extent so it is a bit a bit like maybe it's not like group therapy in that there's an improvement <laughs> an improvement in your psychology but you're definitely like dealing with it in some way it also is it's a it's a great community builder if you especially if you're if you are a classroom of students from a, a lot of different backgrounds and things it's a it's a good way to get to know people um, in a way that maybe uh, through language you might not be able to get to know them. Yes, definitely. I think that that's, that's the big part of what I got out from this degree. That's, that's a big part of what I learned about myself and other people. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm very happy that I got to be a student of Yoff because uh, Maybe I didn't learn too much about photography, but I learned how to be a better person and I learned how to be honest about my work. That's great. I mean, actually, that's, no, that's a pretty, more important. pretty high praise. That's right. Dennis, were there any uh, thoughts or follow-ups or questions that um, you wanted to get to? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, should stop with kissing his ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He'll catch on. Let's, we'll make sure we take him down a peg or two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I have I have a question. We could it's going back a little ways to when you were talking about your website, I guess, and like Mike's earlier question about a division between art and commercial work. Did you just call me Mike? My, I'm sorry, <laughs> I work with. I think I've been doing that accidentally because I work with someone named Michael who I call Mike, and oh, now it's okay. I'm getting it all mixed up. <laughs> Please continue, Professor Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, it's maybe a silly question, but I guess um, this division between sort of the commercial work and your personal work or artistic work and like how you've decided to structure the website. Like I've always found this really fascinating looking at people's websites who do commercial and artistic work and uh, how does it work? How do you how do people negotiate that? <laughs> okay. Is that's, that a real question? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that no matter what I do, I can't serve every viewer at the same time. And I think that there will be some degree of confusion all the time. But the reason why I keep, because actually for, because this is a pretty new website for me. I did it uh, in June or July this year when I had time. Before I was, I actually had two websites. I had one website for my commercial work and like fashion photography work and I had one website for my what I call art. I don't know. What is art, right? <laughs> I don't want to go there. Well, but actually at the same time I have to go there because for me I think that art in, in terms of at least applied to what I make. As, as long as I have a major concept and I have an artist statement and I have a desire to pursue this project and dedicate pretty enough time for this project like I, I work with projects that last at least you know a year or so I don't really work with fast projects and I mean 
I don't think I don't think Dennis was uh, challenging you to de- define art. <laughs> yeah, that's, sorry, that's I'm tough. Gonna, yeah, but, so, but I yeah, think so, yeah. I think um, I think I think more <laughs> the the at the foundation of the question is, um, do you put it all together on the website and and is that is that the your, how you identify yourself? Is this, this both is fine how, art person, yeah. this commercial yes. person, and and do you um, do you distinguish the two in terms of um, what you value or you I know how you want to be identified? Go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, no, no, I, I, that's I, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I like to not to answer it's questions. Like a question of ambition <laughs> to some extent too is mm-hmm. sort of like. And I see. I do see influences of yeah. your design life in in both your fine art and your commercial work. And so oh, wow. I. So it's not a. It's not a sort of a judgment thing unless you think it is. You know what I mean? Like unless you see yeah. it that way. Yeah. Well. I actually like what I do commercially as well. I'm not because if I would, if I want, if I wouldn't like it, and if I wouldn't be um, to some extent proud of what I do commercially, I wouldn't put it up online. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes perfect sense. I really wouldn't because I mean, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, at the end, I would just like to write more. I would like to make more projects that I want to do. But at the same time, I need to pay my rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like to eat and <laughs> I like to travel. And I mean, sure, I mean, my parents have been very helpful with all these things as long as I was going to the university. But I'm out of school right now. And uh, I'm I, not... Yeah, I don't imagine planning. your parents are sitting on a big pension fund somewhere, right? <laughs> After all they've been through. <laughs> No, well, they're they're fine. I'm the only child, so it's okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Pauline. It was so nice to talk to you face to screen, <laughs> and finally to to hear your Thank voice. Thank you very much. Really, really, really happy. Really honored to be on your podcast. Thanks a lot. Oh, that's great. And and thanks, Dennis, for stopping by. Glad to be here. <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thanks a lot. Take care.